I'm Marie Ortenberger, and you're listening to Echoes, a production of Great Lakes Echo. Thousands of years ago, retreating glaciers carved out massive basins and filled them with their melted remains to give us the Great Lakes. They also created deep ravines around those lake shores. Ethan Brown is the resilience coordinator for the Alliance for the Great Lakes. So ravines are uh, V-shaped steep-sloped landscapes. Uh, They were carved out by uh, retreating glaciers thousands of years ago, Um, and they're really unique. They're a globally rare landscape that sort of is this meandering um, uh, land that's been carved out that drains away uh, the surrounding land and goes into Lake Michigan. And when I say steep, I mean very steep. A lot of ravine slopes are in excess of 30 degrees. Um, Some of them look almost straight up and down. There are um, almost 50 ravines in Illinois alone, and then um, quite a few in Wisconsin as well. There are also ravines in some of the other Great Lakes, like um, uh, Lake Erie in Ohio. Ravines are filled with unique vegetation and wildlife. Their size and depth make them a magnificent sight. But development, invasive species, and benign neglect are endangering their ecosystems. Streams at the bottom of the ravines drain to the Great Lakes. During heavy rain, they become chutes for stormwater. More development means less ground to absorb rain, and that means all that stormwater sends goodies like sediment and other kinds of pollution straight into the Great Lakes. Rebecca Grill is a natural areas manager with the Park District of Highland Park in Illinois. One of the things that I'm always telling our residents is that there is no treatment plant between them and Lake Michigan. So if water is running off their property and carrying lawn chemicals or oil or sediment, which is, you know, um, eroding dirt, it is going um, in the ravines and it is going out to um, our drinking water. In addition to polluting Great Lakes water, unhealthy ravines have become less friendly to wildlife. Invasive species grow tall and block out the sun needed for native vegetation to flourish on the ravine walls, and various developments cut off streams from the lake so that lake fish cannot use them for spawning. Conservation groups around the region are encouraging communities to participate in revitalizing and restoring their ravines. In Illinois, thousands of people own property on nearly 50 ravines along the state's north shore. The Alliance for the Great Lakes helps those homeowners improve ravine health. So these community workshops, um, they follow a pretty uh, pretty standard format that we put together that seems to be, uh, people seem to respond to really well. So the idea is that we only take about two hours or so, maybe less. The first half of it uh, is dedicated to presentations of some sort that we've identified has been valuable, is going to be valuable to ravine residents and residents of a ravine community. So these are people who own pieces of ravines or just care about the ravines. So some of these presentations include uh, going over your local ravine ordinances that the community has, uh, how to landscape for your ravine, um, what does a healthy ravine even look like, and what are signs of an unhealthy ravine. And then the other half, the latter half of the workshop, is what's called an asset-based planning workshop. It's where we 
build off of a community's strengths to address an issue instead of just saying, well, here's a problem, let's figure out solutions. So what we've done is we say, instead of what's the problem, it's ravines and stormwater, uh, rather we say, well, what are your community strengths? What are your assets? And then we say, okay, let's take your community strengths and these issues and let's see if we can marry the two and solve these issues with your strengths. So some of the responses that people have come up with and these ideas they've come up with is to say, well, we have a really great um, festival spirit in our community. We like throw a lot of festivals. Why don't we throw a ravine festival and let's sort of showcase the importance of the ravines in our community? Or maybe we should have some sort of program that the city helps uh, our residents figure out what to do about their ravines or how to reduce the amount of stormwater that their own property leads into the ravines. Things like that. In Highland Park, Illinois, Grill says protecting the ravines has been of interest for many years. That interest kicked up after President Obama deemed the Great Lakes a national treasure in 2010, and federal funding was allocated for Great Lakes protection efforts. The Park District of Highland Park used some of that funding to help restore ravines, including reintroducing fish into the ravine streams. My boss asked me to go out and uh, look at a particular lakefront property and, and try to figure out how to get the plants to grow back, basically. You know, how could we get a healthy native plant population going? And going through that property and noticing these ravines at the time, it must have been springtime, were full of water. Um, and that water was um, going out directly to Lake Michigan. So it got me to thinking, could there possibly be fish living or using, at least, these ravine streams? And I did some research, and the Illinois Natural History Survey had been collecting data for a long time, and I did find, indeed, that there were species like lake chub and long-nosed dace, uh, white suckers, uh, Lake Michigan native fish that were using the ravines, or at least identified at the outfall of them with Lake Michigan. And in fact, these are species that um, have a very quick little migration that they make out of the lake and up into freshwater streams to spawn in the springtime. With the help of the local chapter of Trout Unlimited, Grill and her team were able to secure funding. To go ahead and open up the stream, Many of the ravines have blockages at the outfall with the lake. And then we created uh, pools and riffles so that the fish um, that might be coming up would have places to rest along the way and, and spawning grounds. Those changes proved almost an immediate success. They finished up their work in March, and by April, they had hundreds of white suckers spawning in the streams. Highland Park students also help with the restoration. We have a wonderful environmental science program at the Highland Park High School. And we teamed up with those teachers, and we started to bring um, the students out four times a year to field trips to the to the ravines, and we introduced them to the kind of monitoring that we were doing um, to fulfill our project objectives, so real-life scientific-based monitoring. So we took the field trips and the information that we were sharing with the high school, and we're fortunate enough with the GLRI grant to have a little bit of extra money. And um, the EPA was uh, generous enough to allow us to take some of the funds and create a curriculum based on the high school program but aimed at elementary school students. So we developed a program guide, which is available online for anybody who would like to use it. And we brought that to our elementary schools and said, would you guys be interested in doing this? 
we actually held a uh, workshop for the fifth and seventh grade teachers and offered a pilot program of um, field trips for the students that the park district um, supported. This past year, I am proud to say that more than 500 um, elementary school students from our school district came down to our new facility, which is at Rosewood Park, and um, learned about ravine habitat, water, uh, did measures of water quality. Three of the classes, three of the schools, uh, raised trout in their classrooms and released them at Rosewood Park uh, during their field trips. Working with students has raised awareness with parents, and other restoration efforts are popping up around the region, Grill said. Wisconsin is taking another approach. So in Wisconsin, it's a little bit different because um, more of the ravines are completely owned and managed by a public entity like a park district. So for instance, uh, Milwaukee County Parks um, has what's called Grant Park in South Milwaukee, um, the area. And they have a giant ravine called Seven Bridges Ravine. And it's called that because there are seven adorable little pedestrian bridges crisscrossing this ravine. Mm. Um, and I've been there multiple times. And they have different issues because they, since they're able to manage the ravine, they care for it all the time. They plant native species. They remove invasive species. Um, but they also have a lot of people interacting with the ravine. Uh, this is an extremely popular park in which a lot of people from the nearby community walk to, they walk around the ravines, and that causes different issues than it would with Illinois ravines, which are predominantly owned by private residents. So in the Illinois side, you see a lot more residents sort of looking at the ravine instead of walking through it. And on the Wisconsin side, people are, tend to use the ravines more because it's public land. The increasing enthusiasm around protecting these landmarks has conservationists excited. We're really starting to get some traction with people who are truly interested in preserving their properties and doing um, the right thing for not only their property but for people downstream and of course for Lake Michigan. It's just a very exciting time where a lot of people are sort of reaching out beyond their community's borders to other communities and to other experts to say, well, what's, what are the best ideas out there and how can we implement them? Thanks for listening. This podcast was recorded, edited, produced, etc. by myself, Marie Ortenberger. The music was provided by Poddington Bear.